The best way to predict the future is to invent it. Stephen Ambrose brings you up to speed on what the future holds as he explores the latest technology as it impacts our lives. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk right here on High FM, where we are getting smart. And I'm calling myself the artificial intelligence fellow because that seems to be all that everyone is talking about. So, in response, Google have come out swinging with their new Bard. I've been playing with it for a, a few weeks. Um, and uh, we'll go into that during Tech Talk Cafe. I'm going to give you a little heads up on how to install Bard into Chrome and uh, some of the impact of it and where it goes and what it does because ChatGPT was the flavor of the month for the last six months. But uh, never discount Google. Everyone was saying Google was done. Well, they weren't done, and they've now released what they're going to do. And it's pretty, pretty insane. But that's not where it ends. Artificial intelligence and the whole way that um, the assistance and, and artificial assistance and machine learning is going is pretty fundamental to businesses. Governments are getting involved. There's new laws coming in Europe. Google and all the big boys are involved. We're going to see some really interesting backwards and forwards going in the next couple of months. But we'll get to that in a few minutes. More to the point, and very big changes coming this year with uh, online shopping in South Africa. Now, globally, certainly with America as the forerunner, globally, um, online shopping has been rising by leaps and bounds. In South Africa, it's a couple of percent of our retail sales, and it's always been a little challenging in terms of delivery with um, Take-A-Lot, good old Kalahari being the big boys in this in the business and it's it's pretty simple but this year there's a story that Amazon are coming now Amazon are without question the most sophisticated the biggest daddy apart from some of the Chinese guys in the in the market globally and with them potentially entering South Africa it's going to be really interesting but another major shopping chain that um, we all know about in South Africa called Macro are now starting to really get with the program. They've upped their ante in their, their fulfillment software. They've upped their ante in how they work. And they're planning to offer a guaranteed next-day delivery service. And they're leaning on Walmart um, to get all the necessary software and everything else in. So they've just announced that they are busy incorporating Walmart's global integrated fulfillment store assist software. I love these words. But it's been uh, acronyms down to a GIF. Now, many, many people in the tech world will always understand a GIF was a type of photo or picture, and some people call them a GIF. So we're going to have lots of fun with that. But anyway, they have integrated GIF into their online retail platform, and apparently it is improving. A couple of people I know have used them recently, and their speed and their sometimes same-day delivery has improved enormously. But now, it makes a lot of sense. As the market gets more competitive, you have to deliver. You have to perform. So they've had growth last year of over 90% in the e-commerce. Their pickup and the order online and pickup has grown enormously. So overall, the fulfillment side of the business is going to really develop really quickly. We're seeing a lot of growth in e-bikes within the, the sort of 
urban areas and more decentralized distribution. So watch this space. We're going to see a lot happening and we're going to see a lot changing in the online retail. And generally, I think it's going to be a lot easier with all the load shedding and the traffic and the craziness that's going on. If they can guarantee 24 hours delivery from pretty much anything, I would certainly not go into a macro store again. I'd go online, order what I need, have it delivered safely the next day without any hassle. We'll all become hermits in our houses um, to avoid the madness on the road. And it's real. So check it out. Have a look at their online shopping site. Um, they definitely can do same-day delivery in some areas. But they and their new mobile app is definitely a lot better than anything they've had before. So check it out. I think there's a lot happening in that space. But right now, never mind what's coming. But right now, you can order directly from Macro. They can almost guarantee next day delivery for the most part. Again, there's always a codicil that depends where you live. So stay tuned. This is going to get super, super interesting. Um, and super competitive, which is always good. Competition, especially for the consumer, is generally really good. And when the big daddies are playing, you watch pricing getting more competitive, you get service getting better. So well done, Macro. Keep up the good work. Let's get same-day and next-day delivery down pat, and let's uh, have fun as a consumer. Now, talking of um, having a little bit of fun and getting things exciting, I've been playing over the last couple of days with a new add-on into Adobe Photoshop. I'm not a big Photoshop user, but as a techie, I had to play with this. They've got a new AI-assisted Firefly plugin, which you put into um, into Photoshop, and it is pretty much insane. You can add. It's not always perfect, but it's so close that I think from now on we have to be very careful what you believe you see. You can add using this add-in any form of object into a photo. So you can put a hippo if you want into a picture with you and your kids. You can move it, you can move stuff around. But more exciting, you can do crazy, crazy effects and changes and weird stuff. But what was super impressive, for example, if you've got a road and you want to fix it, you can tell the AI to put a yellow, a double yellow line down the middle of the road and will do so in real time in an actual photo all the way down. You can add mountains in the background. You can extend a picture in many, many different ways with unbelievable details. Let's say you take a picture of a, a scene, a scenery, whatever, some, some, uh, urban stuff or even whatever you want to do. You can tell it to put a beach in. So, that is pretty uh, insane. You can just put the sea at the bottom of your picture, and the, the the graduation from land to sea is perfect. You can extend the scenery in a logical manner. You can also remove stuff in a way that completely changes the picture. So if you're into Photoshop, check out the Adobe Firefly family of generative AI technologies in Photoshop, and I think you'll be absolutely Blown away. Now, others have been doing it. There are other companies called Stable Diffusion, Midjourney. Um, there's a thing from OpenAI, which is the chat GPT creator called Dali, um, Dali, not Del, Dali or Dali. Um, and there are just so many other ways of doing it. But Photoshop is the de facto product that most people use. And the amount of stuff you can do 
with uh, using their, 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 their sort of AI add-in, especially if you take some photos and there's people involved and things involved, you can just take them out instantly. So be very aware of what's going on. It's, it's pretty amazing. You can, you can add in effects and things that are absolutely insanely spectacular. So stay tuned. Uh, this is still a little beta for the moment, but really the add-in is allowed, is allowing things to happen in, in, in pictures that are pretty, pretty unique and pretty amazing. So, Check it out if you're into it. It's quite a big deal. And staying with software and some useful new features, something that bugged me a lot about WhatsApp, I'm terrible. If it wasn't for the smart keyboards on a smart on a phone or even when I'm writing a letter, I have no punctuation and I don't spell particularly well. My mind is racing and my fingers are just not keeping up. So often you send WhatsApps that um, have errors in them and it's messy. And you can't fix them, and then you've got to resend the message or delete the message. It's getting messy. And for years, WhatsApp has been toying with the idea of allowing people to correct typos and other errors and edit the text that you've sent. Well, apparently, I haven't, I've been checking now. I haven't seen the beta, but they've announced that it was running in beta, uh, but it has been released for production and should start rolling out to updates across iOS and Android in the next week, few days, hopefully. But what it will allow you to do is that you can, you have 15 minutes to change your sent message and correct any typos. But in order to avoid any potential abuse of the feature, after 15 minutes, that option will go away. So if you hold down on the, the message, up will pop the normal menu and there'll be an edit, um, a possibility in it. You can change it. The one downside is there's no history. So once it's edited, that is the record of what's going on. Nothing, you can't see what you did before. You can only see what you've done. And I think that's pretty useful because many times, you know, you want a record of what you've said, but you just want to fix a few typos. Using the edit option makes a huge difference. And I think it's a smart, smart, smart thing. So um, try, just keep updating as usual, always update your apps because things are coming fast and furious, especially with iOS and Android having just been through their developer conferences and Apple's upcoming in June. There's going to be tons of changes to the apps. Keep them up to date. Keep updating them. And WhatsApp are pretty good. Let it on automatic. Let the updates come and check it out. Uh, see in the next little while if you can edit. And I think it's a great feature. It certainly will help cut back on the amount of time you spend sending out uh, correction WhatsApps. So for me, save me a lot of time in the day. I can fix my spelling and punctuation and actually let the, the WhatsApp messages have the meaning they were intended by simply fixing them. So check it out, uh, available shortly. And we'll be back with Tech Talk Cafe and all the buzz around Bard straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. And now moving on to BARD and what it means. Generative AI has, as I said, become the huge rage. Everyone's talking about it. And even if you're not a big fan of computers and you don't spend a lot of time, you know, Googling stuff and, and, and spending your life trying to work through a computer, it still is going to impact your life. It's going to have a huge, huge, huge 
impact on everything we do, how we do it, how we search, whatever we do. But starting before we get into all the detail, let me give you a quick tutorial on how to add a Chrome extension. So look for a BARD, you can Google this, a BARD Chrome extension or BARD for Google Chrome extension. That's the best one. Just search BARD for Google Chrome extension and it should pop up and you should be able to go directly into it in your Chrome browser and add it as a um, as an add-in, as an extension. And what will happen, a little barred logo, which is basically three sort of star things, will pop up in your, your ribbon at the top. And if you click on it, up will come a barred AI drop-down, which will say disable for or enable for search engine. And when every time thereafter, once that's installed, you just restart your browser, and every time you go and Google something from now on, so you Google, Google, up will pop BARD, and it will start giving a whole story uh, of what it is you, you are doing and where you're going and what you're saying and everything. So that's your first entry into BARD. Remember, BARD is a assistant. It is not a search engine. So Google remains Google. If you're looking for something, you want to find out something, you're looking specifically for the, I don't know, the cheapest meat on the market, or you want to know where to get this widget somewhere else, you Google it. That's a different thing. You look at shopping, you look at news, you look at maps, you find out all that sort of stuff. Nothing changes from that point of view. But using Bard AI to do creative stuff, you need to use what is called prompts. Now, the more detailed the prompt is, the better, both with ChatGPT and with Bard. The more specific you are in terms of what you want to know, the more you know about the subject in which you want to do something. So call it programming, photoshopping, writing blog posts, uh, sorting and tabulating information. The more specific you are in what you ask Bard, and you can ask Bard, and this is where... Uh, it gets super, super interesting with regard to BARD as opposed to ChatGPT, which is built into um, the the browser from uh, the Bing browser from Windows. A lot of people don't use it. It's an excellent, superb uh, browser, I must admit. And uh, a lot of people who use Chrome would be very happy using using um, Bing, but uh, that goes into that goes into a whole different different thing. Bing is not quite, as a search engine, it's not quite as good as Chrome, but again, uh, Google, again, we'll get there. But the browser built into Windows is certainly right up there with uh, Chrome in many, many respects. And it's based on the Chromium project, so it's just as fast and just as powerful. But getting back to Bard and what it is going on there. But OpenAI debuted ChatGPT version 3 back in November. They've upgraded to version 4. They've now given it access to the Internet through uh, its association with Bing, not Chrome, which is interesting. Though there are a couple of third-party apps that have allowed that because they have a very powerful API, which allows others to plug into their, their back-end. But OpenAI created um, JetGPT really set the scene and have been upgrading really hard and fast. But BARD is the same type of technology. It's generative AI. 
And that is the sort of generic model for all the AI models, such as ChatGPT and DAL-E, as I mentioned earlier. And all of these generative AIs can make videos, audio, imagery, and as an AI chatbot, they can all create text and give you answers in a natural and conversational way. One of the biggest benefits of BARD is that you can speak to it. You still have to hit enter, but you can actually use Google's voice prompt. You see there's like a little voice um, microphone search by voice. So you can do a search by voice and you can continue um, upgrading your, your, your prompt with BARD. The other big thing compared to normal search is that BARD is particularly context sensitive. So you can ask it, you can give it a prompt, ask it to give you a whole lot of information, which it will do. You can then say refine the above by using criteria that you've now created. So make it sound a little bit more positive and incorporate um, quotes from third parties or give me a little bit more information about the matters that you've raised. You don't have to rethink it. And as you keep speaking, it's very natural. It's very um, simple and it's very, very, very easy to use. Now, Bard may seem like it was a little bit rushed and it, it was six months behind and everyone didn't realize what was going on on the back end. But Bard, Google Bard has been in production since 2010. Their DeepMind project has been running since then and it's been growing in leaps and bounds over the years and it really has come a long way. But the biggest problem that Google maintains for their delay is that they want to make sure that what they do is ethical, simple, and safe. There's no question there's been a lot of talk around AI and what it's going to do and it's going to steal jobs. I don't believe it will steal anybody's jobs. I do believe it will change what you do and how you do your job, but I don't believe there's going to be any problem with um, any major, you know, job losses per se. But in the programming world, it's going to make life a lot simpler. In, in um, the writing world, it's going to assist as a muse, if you want. It'll give you information and help you. Um, and essentially, the whole AI thing and where it came from and what it does is a large language model. The growth of big data, the growth of the ability to have enormous databases of information, which is what Google does and what all these guys have done, creates the ability to get computers to simply understand and go through all this information. Understands a difficult word because not real artificial intelligence. There's not real understanding, but there's definitely an ability to remember and utilize and work with all this information. So now Google's BARD is powered by their language model, which is not ChatGPT4, which they call Lambda. And that was released in 2021. Um, and there is a common lineage between OpenAI and Google because the two of them have been working on very similar projects for many, many, many years. But essentially, the same way as Microsoft, who are very heavily invested in OpenAI and are going to include the so-called co-pilot OpenAI tools into Office 365, they've already done it into their Bing search engine. So it's becoming more and more... Uh, incorporated in absolutely everything you can do. For example, certain AI, you can take text and ask the AI to improve it, make it sound more positive, 
make it sound a little bit more uh, useful, um, change the tone from confident to respectful, things like that, which is pretty crazy. Try it. Once you've loaded your BARD, um, your BARD assistant, put in some text that you've written and tell BARD to make it more assertive and see what it comes up with. It's pretty scary. It is super cool. It's a wonderful way to work with things or to simply check the spelling. I also have used BARD and ChatGPT for translation. So if you're translating to a language, normal Google Translate just does a translate. It's good. But when you use something like BARD or ChatGPT, you tell it to translate using a conversational tone for a native Amsterdamer, for example, or a native Berlin German speaker. And it and I've tried it. I've run it through third-party programs. I've even sent it to people who are native Dutch and German speakers. And it, they cannot believe that this was done by a machine. It sounds perfectly natural. It has the right tone. All the idioms are correct. It's just ridiculous how well that works. So there's one use case that I believe could be very, very useful for everybody. But just to give you a little insight into how BARD works, um, so Google have positioned BARD as a supplement to your knowledge graph. So in other words, if you ask something, BARD will work and give you a lot of information around what you're asking and will supply a sort of a graph or a more informed view of what you're talking about it. And BARD is using what they call the Lambda language model to understand your question and its context. That is the most important thing because it's one thing to ask for X, but the reason why you're asking for X may be more useful in finding X rather than just saying, here's all the X's that we have found. So the context is really, really, really important because the Lambda model uses data set that contains dialogue. It understands nuance, colloquialisms that all search engines struggle madly with. After that, it draws more and more information from the web to form an answer, and this is made into a type of conversational reply that you might expect from a real person. Again, that's part of the whole Lambda thing. It has a very natural positive, easy interface, which is really important. Now, chatbots up to now, for me, most of them, like the little bank ones and the ones that pop up in websites, are useless. They're scripted. When you start asking difficult questions, they can't answer that. They go down the wrong road, and basically they're just a waste of time, in my opinion. But using the Lambda or the ChatGPT backend um, to do this type of thing, you actually cannot believe how smart they sound. Current, the current state of the art still creates all sorts of errors and craziness, which is not perfectly useful yet. But in the last two weeks that Lambda or, or BARD has been out, I've noticed how quickly and how fast it's improved. Because like any AI or data-based platform, the more you use it, the better it gets. So the minute they release these, these platforms to the, to the world and to everybody to use – you cannot believe how quickly they've picked up what needs to be done. And it really, really is getting extremely good. And that's how it works. So you ask it a question and you simply say, what are the best constellations to look at at this time of year? It will then go and give you all the information you need around that. 
which birds are now available in my garden. You don't have to tell them where you are. Google knows where you are uh, at this point in time and which ones are the most rare. It will give you all that information in a contextual way. If you put that into Google, you're going to get a ton of useless information around birds or stars or whatever it is that you're asking. But here, what you're going to find is very detailed context, contextual information which you can refine. So I'm only looking for birds of prey. And then it will reformat everything and only give you the birds of prey that may be preying on the insects in your garden or whatever, or the other little birds in your garden. But there are unfortunately a lot of ethical things. I've just read today that uh, Google and the European Parliament are busy working on a AI law that could potentially come out in the next year because there are ethical implications of all the various bards and generation AIs. They are influenced by biases in the training data sets. It's almost impossible not to, um, not to have. And a lot of facts get made up because it's a logically created program. So something that sounds smart and intelligent, but is factually incorrect, it's not smart enough to understand the difference between the two. That's where AI falls totally flat. These are just incredibly fast computers with massive data sets, so they can make stuff. And all of them have a lot of um, problems with, the, with sorting fact from fiction. However, Google, because of its massive experience in search with its incredible database of, of info, which spans pretty much decades and all over the world, definitely um, gives them a, a bit of a heads up in the space and allows them to clear things and make it a lot more uh, real and sort the fact from the fiction. So that's another massive improvement that I've seen from using BARD. It's not quite as effective at giving references and that sort of thing, but whenever you do some research using BARD, it seems to give a much more structured and a much more accurate um, segment of information than I've seen before. So the best way to use BARD right now is just be aware of one thing. It's in its infancy. It's only available as an experimental test version right now, even though it feels um, real and it feels really good. So use it with a pinch of salt. Apply some real intelligence based on your knowledge. Try to not use information if you don't know anything about it. So if you want to pretend that you know something about something, you can use generative AI to create blog posts or information. But be careful, because you don't know what you don't know, you won't know that AI is making half of it up unless you're an expert. So if you're going to use generative AI in your work, in your writing, in what you do, use it within your knowledge base. So you can always pick up and check if the AI has lost the plot and is talking all sorts of craziness. And if you do that, you'll probably find it's unbelievably useful in, in one structuring what you're doing in ways that you would like that would take you enormous amounts of time. But what won't, um, what it won't do, it won't do the work for you. It might make your work easier, tabulate, export to Excel, create, uh, PowerPoints, give you information that you need to proceed down a particular path that you're aware of in a very quick way. So BARD, all AIs can save you a ton of time in the grunt work of doing work. Input a spreadsheet, tell it to tabulate, cross-tabulate, create, 
bullet points, etc., etc. It'll do it with ease, fast, and really well formatted. But don't ask it to do stuff you're not particularly knowledgeable about because you'll never know what quality you're getting out of it. So stay tuned and watch this space. I can tell you now, um, Bard is knocking it out. Uh, though I must say OpenAI and using the Bing interface, I've often played between the two. They seem in most cases sem- semi-similar with a, the ease of use and the format and the way that Bard does things is just Slick, it's Google. At the end of the day, they've got all the interface engineers you can ever hope for. So as a as an entry point, try it, play it. It is available in South Africa. It's not available in Europe in some places simply because of GDPR and all sorts of other things. But it is available in South Africa. Add the, ex- the extension and get on with learning how to use ChatGPT and BARD and uh, improve your life. It's it's extreme, it's fun, there are amazing things that can be done, and it's going to get better exponentially by leaps and bounds. And after that, we'll be back with some real-life gadgets and gizmos straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Now, moving back to other gadgets and gizmos. Um, the OLED TV... Again, I'm not going into all the technicalities. I've spoken about OLED versus LCD versus anything else, um, QLED and all sorts of other things over the years. But in my opinion, the OLED TV for picture quality and reality and sheer overall quality of TV is without question the best on the market currently. In fact, to the point where you can get really good LCD TVs um, the quantum dot LCD TVs that have come out from Samsung, some of them with micro, sort of micro um, backlighting advances where you've almost got one sort of pixel backlight per per micron or per pixel in the in the LCD panel has improved enormously. So a lot of the LCD TVs, even the current generation, are pretty spectacular. But simply put, nothing beats the sharpness, clarity, and color accuracy in some respects of a self-emissive OLED panel, which LG have owned the, the patent for over the last couple of years and pretty much have set the tone. So OLED TVs over the last few years had a couple of problems. One of them was lack of brightness. There was a limit to how much each pixel could be driven without damaging it. And they were significantly, sometimes 50 to 70% less bright, if not more, than an LCD panel which used a bright white LED or a backlight that could really, and some lenses and whatnot in their, in their structure to create massively bright TVs. So for many purposes in really bright rooms, uh, an LCD or QLED or any of the newer TVs could really look a lot brighter with the, with the OLEDs looking dim. But in the evenings and Normal lighting conditions when you watch TV, the OLEDs were really bright and brilliant. Well, what LG have done, they've got now three ranges. They've got the B, the C, and the G. And I've been playing with the C, which is a, a evolution panel for 2023 with all the latest bits and pieces and, and whatnot goes with it. It's not a huge improvement on the C panel from 2022. So if you can find one at a good price... Just a heads up, it's it's well worth uh, 
the saving. The difference is there. It's definitely the, the C series for 2023 is better. The interface is slicker. They've improved the algorithm. It's got a faster processor. It's smarter. It's cleaner. It's brighter. And it's definitely a little bit more refined compared to the um, C panels from 2022. That being said, the G panel, on the other hand, is now a significant, at one stage, LG used to use all the same panels across the entire range. But now the new G panels, which are extremely expensive in the 65 to 100,000 rand range. I know this is craziness, but remember you're, you're investing in a TV for the most part for three, minimum three, but not an average is five to seven years. And a really good panel should do the job. So for that period in time, there are small computers, so you can upgrade them. There's software updates. There's all sorts of updates and apps you download and whatnot. So a, a TV bought today or investment in a TV today, depending on your means, obviously, and your, your need for quality, um, can be a significant thing. But the G panel now has heat sinks. It's got some lens uh, focuses, and they're talking increases in brightness of up to 70% of their Evo panels. And for the most part, in normal lighting, it's managed and it's not absolutely significant. Where you do see it is on these bright sort of passages from very dark to very light and just see incredible brightness, which improves the um, the color quality. It, in, it improves absolutely everything about the experience. But the unit I was playing with it was a 55-inch C uh, version of it's the Evo panel. And I must say that if you're in the market for a top quality, either the 55 or 65 inch, which in South Africa, are, they're about to be released. They should hit the market in all the shop stores in the next few weeks. Um, they are without question some of the finest TVs that I've played with. The, 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 the interface with the magic smart. I've always had a problem with LG's remotes. They seem a little plasticky where Samsung just do the most gorgeous aluminium, beautiful remotes. So silly little thing, but then again, the remote is something you play with all the time. But leave the remote aside. It's a smart magic mouse remote, so you can wave it around and you get a little pointer on the screen, which once you get used to is super slick. The interface is really good, exceptionally uh, updated, um, lots of information. It's got an AI function. What doesn't have an AI function? Which will suggest programs based on your, your listening habits. You need to log into LG's uh, platform for that. But the latest um, OLED panel is definitely brighter, sharper, and m a little bit more subtle than previous panels. It, you put a 2022 and a 2023, I've got a 2021 model, you put them next to each other, and you look at the, at the picture, there's no question the 2023 is a much better picture. In isolation, maybe not, but you put them side by side, you can clearly see uh, what's going on. And that's partly due to their... 4K Gen 6 A9 AI processor. As I said, AI is in everything. And what it does, it manages the light. It manages the pixels in a, in a more effective way. They've got this sort of generative stuff going on, um, in the back end to improve your picture. So stay tuned to this. Check it out. There's a lot of new, um, a lot of new developments there, but right now LG retain the crown as I believe the best quality uh, OLED TV on the market. And we'll be back with a little update uh, and another little chat GPT add-on straight after this. 
This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. So getting just quickly to wrap up because our time is limited and I'm going to be told it's time to wrap up in two seconds. OLED, LG, synonymous, they've really pushed the envelope. I think their 2023 TVs are not cheap, unfortunately. The RAND has dropped. Things are going to be a bit more expensive, but the quality and the subtlety and the pictures from these TVs are exceptional. Samsung have released a brand new range of QD OLED, which is slightly different technology, also brighter than some of the previous generation OLEDs, and I have spent time with them. I think they're exceptionally good TVs, so if you're a massive Samsung fan, you're not going to go wrong with them. But I think, in my personal opinion, the subtlety and the experience that LG have had with OLED over the years shows in a slightly more accurate, cleaner, and more natural picture overall. I'm sure if I fiddled enough with the Samsung, I could get it to be fairly relaxed and uh, natural. They tend to overblow things a little and make things a bit more vivid and exciting. But either or are great TVs. But my pick for right now is the LG, the 55-inch C-Series. Great TV. Last year, still a great TV. So that's a little hint. But if you are one who wants the best and the latest and the greatest, check these out. They should hit the stores very soon. Pricing to be determined, but it will not be cheap, especially on the C and G range. The B will be a little bit cheaper, but you lose a lot of the cutting-edge technology that's available in the C-Series. Now, to close off the show, I've got a little hint for all you iPhone users out there. If you want to use ChatGPT on your phone, which has not been entirely possible, you could always do it through the browser. It was a bit clunky. But now there are a number of apps. In the USA, OpenAI have released a native app. I've used it. I've tried it. It's very cool. It's very slick, and it works extremely well. However, there is a tier of um, if you pay for the ChatGPT Plus subscription, you get faster AI. Oh, I forgot to mention that. The one thing about BARD, it's incredibly quick. It's a lot faster than OpenAI when you do get responses. But anyway, back to the app. So if you have access to the USA App Store, look for OpenAI ChatGPT app. It should pop up immediately, and you should be able to download it and use ChatGPT perfectly well, um, either with subscription or without, uh, on your iPhone. They've promised that an Android app will come out soon, and you should have it. There is one coming from Google Bard as well on the Android platform very shortly, so there's going to be as many apps as you want. However, in South Africa right now, if you just do ChatGPT, there are a number of apps. I've tried three of them. All the top three that come up, I'm not going to pick one right now, work pretty well. I don't think they're using the latest um, ChatGPT backend because there seems to be some lack of functionality compared to the desktop app. But if you want to play with OpenAI, you want to play with ChatGPT, you want to start the journey down how generative AI can help you, I highly recommend that you download it on your phone, iPhone for now. There are a few apps available on Android that I've seen, none that look particularly refined. I'll spend more time on that. I haven't spent a lot of time to try to see which ones are best. But if you have access to the um, USA App Store, get the iPhone app from OpenAI. It's really pretty basic, but very powerful in terms of what you want to do. And copy and paste from other apps, put the information in as prompts. You'll be absolutely amazed at how it can certainly help you in all sorts of weird and wonderful ways around your functions. It can tabulate, it can do 
crazy stuff. So, you know, your imagination is your, your limit. Just keep trying and keep going. And on that note, I'm going to call it a day. I think we've done enough AI and enough uh, info around BARD and ChatGPT and whatnot on this show. So stay tuned. We'll bring you all the latest, all the greatest, and all the news from the tech world and some interesting people to talk to right here on High FM 11 to 12 on Tech Talk from High FM.